you desire to attend Bible college or seminary, but know that it would be incredibly difficult to uproot your family and move somewhere? Maybe you desire to attend seminary, but you don't want to leave your local congregation. Let me tell you about my seminary, Whitfield Theological Seminary. Whitfield is a conservative, confessional, classical, reformed seminary who wants to come alongside congregations and assist them in raising up a pastor. The training of a minister should be done alongside of a congregation. Whitfield offers online classes so that you can fulfill your calling without having to move your family or abandon your church. Go check them out at www.reformed.info. That is www.reformed.info. Tell them you heard about them on The Daily Brew. We at The Daily Brew take the Bible and the study of it very seriously. Have you ever wondered where we or our special guests go when we want to dive into God's Word more deeply? We go to Logos, the best Bible software available. From in-depth word studies in the original languages to commentaries from scholars, both new and old. There are lexicons and grammars and sermons and collected works of heroes of the faith. And even ancient texts for the serious Bible students. Never before has so many great tools been bundled together into one software. To learn more about this incredible ministry, call 888-390-7341. That's 888-390-7341. While you're there, go ahead and tell them that you heard about this incredible software on The Daily Brew. Listen up, Daily Brew subscribers and listeners. I want to tell you about our newest partner, Audio Blocks and Video Blocks. They're an incredible resource if you're looking for background footage, background audio. We use them for all our video and audio uh, needs. If you're needing background clips, if you're needing short footage for any video that you're making for your business or your church, or just looking for background noises for putting something together, they have everything you need, a huge selection. You have to go check them out. Go check them out at audioblocks.com or videoblocks.com. Are you looking for something fun to do on these hot summer days? Are you looking for something fun for the whole family? Go check out Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies. This has been rated the number one aquarium in the country. If you're looking to waddle with the penguins or sleep with the sharks, this is the place for you. For an up-close view, check out their glass-bottom boat. Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies has something for the whole family. For more information, go to ripleyaquariums.com. You are busy. You are always on the go. But are you making time for you? The Y is dedicated to helping you stay active, live better, and find the best possible version of you. From basketball courts to functional training space, indoor pools, and yoga studios, the best of Knoxville is right in your backyard. Group classes and personal trainers that will challenge and encourage you. The Y has something for everyone. Join the Y and get unlimited access to all five locations. From the heart of downtown Knoxville to Farragut and Halls, all with no contracts. For a better us.
This is The Daily Brew. This is The Daily Brew. I am the host, Adam Holland. I have the joy of having with me today Dr. David Platt. He is a pastor of McLean Bible Church. Uh, He is a former president of the International Mission Board and also the author of Radical. And now he is the author of his most recent book, um, Something Has Got to Change. Dr. Platt, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Man, it's great to be here. So today we're going to be chatting about your book, Something Needs to Change, A Call to Make Your Life Count in a World of Urgent Need. Now, the book goes through, um, you're traveling through the Himalayan mountains, and uh, you're discussing uh, different things you encounter along the way, uh, different stories, uh, people, and uh, situations that you encounter. Why do you think it was important for people to hear uh, this message, or why do you think it was important to write this book and share these stories? I think if we're not careful, we can uh, kind of almost isolate ourselves in a bubble and in our lives, families, even churches, and kind of convince ourselves that the world looks like just like that, which is right around us. And so uh, I, my hope, like these, these mountains, particularly in the Himalayas, more than anywhere else I've traveled in the world, just represent a collision of urgent spiritual and physical need just urgent physical need when it comes to poverty. And I mean, half the kids in these villages they found are dying before their eighth birthday. Um, So just urgent physical need, the way traffickers prey on poverty in those villages and just all kinds of horrible ways. And then urgent spiritual need. I mean, most, if not everybody I've met in those mountains uh, has no knowledge of Jesus. Like I'll say, Hey, what do you know about Jesus? And they say, who's that? Like, I've never heard his name, never heard the good news of God's love in Jesus. So all that to say, like, that that starts to cause you to wrestle with all kinds of questions and to start thinking through, okay, how can my life uh, be a part of affecting change in villages like this? And so whenever I've come back, like, I just want to take as many people as possible into those mountains. Obviously, that's not doable. And so... That's my attempt in this book is to kind of bring those mountains to us to, to help us wrestle through like urgent need in the world and think through the part that God's called us, every one of us to play in making his love, his hope known in a world of urgent need. So I think that kind of uh, exposure and wrestling and action that comes from that, I think is necessary for all of us. Uh, in the church and just everyone who says they're a follower of Christ, like to come face to face with what that means in a world of urgent need. I think that's why this book is so helpful and needed. Uh, I've always enjoyed how your writing style, how you teach theology from a story format. Uh, in the book, you discuss a lot of uh, deep theological questions a lot of people have. Um, one of those questions that uh, you discuss is the problem of evil. How is it? Uh, now, you don't word it that way, but uh, the concept is how does uh, an all-sovereign and good God exist and evil be present in the world? So if God's in control and he is good, then how is there evil in the world? So you discuss that and you discuss several other topics like this. What are some of the other topics that you exist, uh, that you discuss uh, in this book like that? Yeah, that's, that's 
part of why I wrote the book. I just want to like come out from behind, even uh, yeah, the stage where I preach in a in a church here in Metro DC to say, and I open up my journals in the book just to say I wrestle with struggle even with things I preach and truths I believe. Uh, like okay, in light of what we were just talking about, like why God would so many people be born into such earthly suffering only to move on to eternal suffering uh, without Jesus. Like, I, I don't, there's a lot of things that, I mean, wrestling with that question, that's one of, the, one of the many questions that I try to just bring up in the book and just share my journals as I'm wrestling with this. Like, why God, why? And then to let those why questions lead to what questions. So, okay, some things, and so I don't, I don't feel like some of those questions we can just put a tidy bow on, um, but they, they can lead us to say, okay, well, what, what does my life need to look like if, if, this, if, the, if God's word is true and these are realities in the world, then what does that mean for my life, my family, the church I'm a part of? And I, I want to just, that's one of my aims in the book is just to help people wrestle through those questions that I think we just can't avoid. One of the things I enjoyed about the book is it's, it's almost like an apologetic for lay people. Um, I think that's very helpful. I, I really want to try to equip people along those lines and, and to be vulnerable in my own heart to say, hey, like, I'm a pastor with all kinds of seminary degrees and whatever, and I wrestle with these things. Like, uh, So let's wrestle through them together and think about what this means, uh, both for understanding God's Word and then for understanding our purpose in the world. Questions like this and curiosity like this are not necessarily bad things. They should encourage us to dive into God's Word and to look to see how Christ offers us hope in the midst of these uh, difficult things. That's right. Um, the book is focused on all of your experiences on these trails uh, in the Himalayan mountains. Now, most people, the majority of people within the church are not going to get an opportunity to go to these Himalaya mountains. So how does the book speak to uh, people who may never get an opportunity to go experience these same things that you experienced on the trails? Uh, like, how does the, the book speak to stay-at-home moms who um, are striving to be faithful at home or the guy who works his nine-to-five? How does this challenge them to have an impact where they are um, and in their culture, and their environment? How does this uh, speak to them and challenge them to make an impact um, where they, uh, where God has called them to be. Yeah, that's a great question, and I—that's exactly what I'm trying to hit on in this book. Is one, two, and I've seen this. Whenever I've taken people uh, into context like this overseas, places like this, and then come back and then kind of process through. Listen, let's open our eyes. Like we have needs right around us, and ways that we can be involved in addressing urgent spiritual and physical need, like right where we live and uh, I've seen some of the most fruitful ministry and uh, outreach and just all kinds of things started locally as a result of having our eyes opened globally and so that's part of what I try to do in this book is just say okay like open your eyes right around you where's even urgent spiritual need like people's greatest need is the gospel. Like you can be a part of meeting the most urgent spiritual need like today in conversations with people who don't know Christ. And then to be, and not just to have our eyes open, but our, our hearts affected by the reality of physical needs right around us. Instead of just kind of going through our day, um, 
and just schedule during the week and then just and and basically turning a blind eye deaf ear to urgent physical needs around us so i hope i hope that the fruit of this book so i'm praying will be uh, just greater sensitivity to the opportunities right around us and and at the same time for all of us including the stay-at-home mom just anybody uh uh, to to see that there are also unique ways that we can be a part of making the gospel known in different places in the world. So not even just to, just to kind of close off, well, I can only do this or that. Like I try to tell stories all throughout the book just that encourage readers to don't underestimate the part you can play no matter how what your age is, no matter what your gifts are, background is, where you live. Don't underestimate the part you can play in a Affecting a world of urgent needs because God has designed your life to count for his glory in a world of urgent needs. So open eyes to right around you and then uh, don't underestimate what God might use you to do far from you. Absolutely. I've always enjoyed uh, Francis Schaeffer's book, uh, There Are No Small People, because one of the points he stresses in it is that because we're all created in the image of God, uh, there are no small people in the mind of God. We're all image bearers of God. So therefore, uh, the grocery store clerk is just as valuable as the CEO. We are all significant. We are all called uh, into God's mission. It may look different for different people, but uh, everyone is significant and everyone has a role to play in the mission of God. And that's one of the things I try to emphasize, just like focusing on like, there are so many things that as I meet different people on the trails that people are doing, that God has gifted them to do that are so different from me that they are able, that they are able to do that are very different from what I'm able to do. That's the beauty of God just in his creativity is wired us in different ways, gifted us in different ways and blessed us in different ways. Uh, but all in, in these unique ways that can all resound to his glory. Amen. God has called us all to mission, no matter our age, uh, gender, social, economic background, we've all called into the mission of God. So I want to take a turn away from the book. Uh, we always try to toss in uh, just some practical advice or pra- uh, practical help for our listeners. We have a lot of pastors who listen into the show. So uh, you being a pastor of a local church, what are some practical ways um, a pastor can help create a culture of discipleship within his local church? So what are some things uh, a pastor can do to help encourage and motivate uh, discipleship within the local church? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and so how do I answer that succinctly? Here's, <laughs> here's the way I, I think I'd put it in us in summation. I would say like air war and ground war, like, Air war, and so I'm thinking like preaching, uh, casting vision, constantly talking about this is what we do as a church. Like we make disciples. This is what Jesus has called us to do. And so that language and defining that, like really teaching, what does that look like uh, from God's word and constantly bringing it back to that. I mean, I just think about uh, whether it's last Sunday and uh, my preaching just uh, was sharing about, here's how disciple-making is happening, and this way or that way. Remember, this is what we do, and I kind of go through. We share the gospel. We're seeing people baptized. Uh, we're teaching people to obey everything Christ has commanded us, and here's where some areas where we need to grow in this way or that way. So that's last Sunday. This last Wednesday night, we have a congregational meeting, and so we walk through, like our mission statement, we glorify God by making disciples and multiplying churches among all nations, beginning in Metro Washington, D.C., and so... And I, I highlighted different ways how, how disciple making is playing out. People sharing testimonies of uh, 
leading people to Jesus or teaching people to obey Jesus or seeing people baptized, like the whole picture that we see in the Great Commission. And then we, uh, we recite the Great Commission to each other. That's how we send each other out every Sunday. So just keeping it, so that's what I mean by air war, just keeping it in front of people and casting vision, leading, shepherding people on mission. Like that's I, the way I understand pastoral ministry. It's shepherding the people of God on the mission of God with the word of God for the glory of God. So we're constantly putting that out. Uh, air war. And then, so the ground war then is everything from one, they need to see this in your own life. So how does disciple making look like? I was just reading First Corinthians 3 and 4 this morning, like Paul saying to the church there, be imitators of me. So let's not expect people in the church to be making disciples. If we're not modeling what that looks like to be personally involved in disciple making in our lives. And then when it comes to the structures of the church, um, and just the day-to-day, what we're calling people to in the church, to remove as many barriers as possible and to say, how can we uh, yeah, equip every single member in their everyday life to be doing this? That's what I've said in our church is like, we want, we want it to be such that God could pick up any member of our church, put them somewhere else in the world, and they know how to make disciples and gather together in a church that's making disciples, regardless, without any dependence on programs, uh, professionals, performances, like, like just they're able to do it. And so I'm not saying we're like 100% there by any means, but that's what we're working toward. And I think there's, there's air war and ground war that goes into that. I'm definitely going to steal that analogy and use it myself. Uh, that is an incredible analogy. We always try to toss in one fun question um, just for our listeners uh, to, so they can learn a little bit more about you. Um, who are some of the guys who have influenced you, whether theological, uh, alive, or dead? Uh, who are some of the writers who have influenced you in your ministry? Um, so writers specifically, I would say, um, I, one, I've been very shaped by biographies. So um, whether it's um, Adoniram Judson to the Golden Shore, biography of Adoniram Judson, I just uh, recently read a biography of Charles Simeon of Cambridge. It was excellent, really challenging. Another one, Hudson Taylor, John Patton, missionary to the New Hebrides. Uh, <clears throat> certainly pastors like Spurgeon and Jonathan Edwards. Um, uh, so I would say biographies have been very shaping. Then when it comes to books that have been most influential in my life, I would say uh, J.I. Packer's Knowing God would be pretty high up there, and Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, pretty influential books in my life. Piper's Desiring God, as well as uh, <clears throat> Let the Nations Be Glad, I would say have both been very formative books uh, in my life. Uh, then when it comes to prayer, like Ian e. Bounds, Power Through Prayer, uh, and then so much of what he wrote on prayer, but uh, that book in particular, the role of preaching or prayer as it relates to preaching and pastoral ministry. Uh, I'd probably put near the top. And I would say uh, Robert Coleman's master plan of evangelism was also really formative in really introducing me to the concept of, uh, yeah, the centrality of disciple making in our lives and in the church. So those are the things that start to come to mind. Those are the writers and books that immediately come to my mind. I'm sure after a our conversation, I'm going to think, why did I not mention this or that? But those, are, <laughs> those are the things that immediately come to my mind. Well, David, it's been a joy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to join us. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Hey, it was pure joy being on. Thanks for having me.